Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Mark Peterson, who's VP of Temperature Controlled Transportation at CH Robinson, and Gina Garvin, who's VP of Commercial Development and Analytics at Robinson Fresh, which is a division of CH Robinson. And today we're talking about, I'm going to talk about, is your food and beverage supply chain ready for the holidays? Now, the holidays are about, you know, many things, including gathering with friends and family for, uh, you know, for holiday meals. And since produce and fresh ingredients are typically a key part of holiday meals, safely transporting these, you know, temperature sensitive items, making sure that they're delivered on time and in full and keeping them freshly stocked uh, on store shelves is vitally important for uh, food retailers. Uh, so this combined with the you know, holiday deadlines present you know, some unique challenges for the industry. Well, what are some of those challenges? What capabilities um, you know, and how do they impact the transportation and logistics industry? And, and what capabilities will separate the leaders from the laggards? Well, those are some of the key uh, questions we're going to address in today's episode. And uh, it's great to have Mark and Gina on the program to share their insights and advice on, on this topic. So, uh, Mark, Gina, welcome to the program. Good morning, Good morning. for having us. Great. Well, uh, Gina, I'll start with you first, you know, just to, as a way to get, get the conversation started. I mean, you know, thinking about the holidays are just around the corner uh, right now. Obviously, you know, a lot of folks are going to be shopping out there for those holidays meals. I mean, what are, what are some of the key trends facing the food and beverage industry as we head into this holiday season? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, broadly speaking, um, shoppers are expected to spend roughly $1,500 per household uh, this upcoming holiday season. And food and beverage is a real big driver of, of where their spend is going. In fact, it outpaces any other category within uh, the retail categories. So that's a, that's, a big, that's a big spend, and that's something that we really critically need to get right um, from when we're thinking about where the consumer is going, how they're shopping, and, and what's important to them this holiday season. The other thing um, that's really important is health and wellness. Health and wellness has become a year-round focus. It's no longer a New Year's resolution. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of increases in fresh and perishable offerings. Um, so that's really important. In fact, the American Heart Association estimated that 80% of cardiovascular disease would actually be prevented by health, uh, healthy diets and a healthy lifestyle. And this is front of mind for consumers today. So as they're going in and they're thinking about where they're spending their money and how they're spending their time with their families, they really are, are increasing that um, awareness. And, and it's not just a New Year's resolution anymore, right? Um, so we're not waiting till, till January 1st to start those diets and, and think about how to incorporate more fruits and vegetables. And then the final thing that I would say that um, is just, you know, a trend to be aware of when we think about inventory through the supply chain um, and specifically to food and beverage, retailers need to focus on winning in the in-between. And what I mean is shoppers are changing their eating habits. And this has been something that we've been seeing over, you know, uh, the last decade, right? There's more snacking. So they're, they're eating five meals versus three meals a day, but those meals are smaller. We're seeing that bleed into the holidays in terms of their, um, how many uh, different um, uh, occasions that they're hosting. So people are hosting more, they're having uh, less traditional big sit-down meals, and they're having much more frequent smaller gatherings. So people are usually going to a couple of these, um, of these events, and so those items and those dishes uh, have more, they're, they're smaller, they're usually using more fresh ingredients, and they're a little um, healthier. 
Yeah, no, those those are all uh, you know interesting uh, you know uh, you know trends, and I know you know it's pretty evident in, in my family as well. I mean, we've got a family of six, you know, four kids, um, but definitely if you go back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, in terms of how we're eating today, in terms of the types of uh, of meals that we eat, and kind of the uh, uh, just the the uh, uh, you know the habits that we form now, not only during the holidays but year round, definitely this move toward you know fresher. Uh, you know, foods and this move toward, uh, you know, having more multiple meals, if you will, versus, you know, the traditional breakfast, lunch and dinner um, right. and, and what those snacks, quote unquote snacks or, or mini meals in between are. Right. So that, that really has you know, changed the the, uh, the types of foods that, you know, that we buy. And I know my, my wife does most of the, the you know, the shopping in, in our household, but I know that she goes to multiple you know, stores to get the different types of ingredients and foods that she's looking, you know, she's looking for, for the types of, you know, uh, uh, foods that we eat here at, at, in, in our house. Yeah, it really increases the variety. So too, it's important to have a lot of variety, um, definitely within the fresh space, because people are looking for new flavors. They're looking at different ways to create an interesting eating experience. That's important and, and very much important when you think about going into the holiday and bringing that to your friends and family. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Mark, let, let's let's translate, you know, all these trends that we just just talked about, and and bring it now into kind of a, a transportation and, and logistics, uh, uh, you know, framework. I mean, what impact do the holidays have on you know the transportation and logistics uh, market? So, Adrian said, nobody likes the holidays less than the transportation providers. Um, <laughs> is the you know the market is typically tighter during the during the holiday season. Uh, you know, it's simple. You can break that down into just having an overabundance of demand uh, with with a reduced amount of, of capacity available. And when you think about that, it's really not uh, rocket the rocket science, I guess, that, you know, drivers are like everybody else. And given the opportunity, many of them are going to want to stay with their uh, friends and family over the holidays as well. So that adds additional disruption to an already uh, troublesome marketplace. So, uh, the, some of the shippers have started to develop um, programs where they can do uh, incentives for the transportation providers to be able to pull drivers off of their couches uh, and, and the exercising and to be able to actually incent them to retain a higher level of compliance with their, uh, with their route guides so that they keep people on the roads and, and delivering things on time. Um, with all that being said, though, you know, 2020, we are dealing with a little bit more of an oversupplied market. Uh, it's a lot different in, in 2019, obviously, than we were in certain parts of 2018. Uh, when we look ahead to what 2020 might look like, a lot of the analysts are looking at new truck orders. Uh, 2019 had more of a depressed marketplace in that. Uh, so as, as people are retiring assets, uh, they weren't replenishing them to the level that they would need in order to keep the, the levels where they have to be in order to sustain the business. So looking at what that looks like into 2020 to see exactly what might be happening there. Uh, some analysts are predicting uh, more like 2019. A few of them on the more bullish side are saying that things may improve and get back into more of, of the historical uh, space from, from a rate growth perspective. Uh, when you look at the temperature controls specific, which is a lot of what we're talking about here on the food and bev, uh, is that the, the loadings are forecasted to grow 3%. Uh, and the capacity sector for temp control is, is highly fragmented, Adrian. It's, um, it represents about 17% of the, of the for hire market is in the temp control. And about 91% uh, of those reefer companies 
would have less than five tractors. And when you look at 50 and less, uh, there's, there's, that makes up about 99% of the overall market, 98.7 to be uh, more precise, I guess. So looking at 3PLs like a CH Robinson that can help you manage the hundreds to, to literally thousands of small carrier relationships that may be required uh, to provide the capacity you need to move these sensitive shipments that, that Gina was referencing. So, you know, for Robinson with us, our network includes uh, a little over 21,000 vetted high quality temperature controlled contract carriers. We estimate there's probably somewhere around 37,000 in the four higher market uh, in, in general. But a 3PL can aggregate this fragmented capacity into a simplified and efficient experience for the customer. Uh, while communicating with the carrier community in the way that they want to be communicated with. When you think about the broad spectrum of those carriers, they can, some can be highly sophisticated down to the owner operators. And it's not as simple as just having a, a tech solution for that. You have to meet them in the space that they want to be communicated with. Uh, so for us, you know, working with a, with a 3PL that has the capabilities to, to meet that capacity where they want to communicate, uh, obviously, sophisticated technology that, that connect with ELDs and the onboard platforms, uh, but also operating for us with 24-7 uh, people in the office to be able to deal with problems as they, as they arrive and, uh, and let the technology drive the efficiency and the automation side. Yeah, no, great, great, great overview. I mean, certainly, I, I think, you know, when you th think talking about the in increase in demand for these, some of these products, you know, and ingredients and, and foods, you know, over this period, you know, with the capacity, you know, and then kind of looking at the capacity picture, which, um, you know, as you talked about, you know, you know, transportation in general is very fragmented, but this, the temperature control aspect of it, you know, is a subsegment of that, which in itself is also very fragmented and have, you know, many, many small players in it. So, you know, making sure that you're able to connect and, and reach that capacity to meet this increased demand is certainly, you know, very critical. And as you mentioned, you know, technology plays a role here. Obviously, people play a role here. And I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, focus in on, on those aspects, you know, later on. But, but Gina, going, going back to you, I mean, you know, from a consumer's perspective, I mean, is food shopping, you know, different during the holidays and other times of the years? I mean, do they go in, do people go in with different, you know, preferences or expectations when they go shopping? Yeah, well, you know, what I will tell you is, um, like anything, I think people are a little more focused um, and a little more deliberate during the holidays in terms of what they're shopping. Um, during other times of the year, consumers will often substitute out-of-stock items, um, like produce items, with other uh, readily available items. It's especially true within fruits, right? So when you think about, you know, your clementines, you can easily substitute a snacking item like a clementine grapes or maybe with berries, right? Um, but that's less so during the holidays when more people are focused on specific recipes, right? And so those specific recipes call for a specific commodity and they can't necessarily be replaced. Um, and so you see a lot of things like cranberries that have like an 1800% increase, right? Um, during the holidays. You can't really substitute cranberries within a recipe, right? With another item. Sweet potatoes, yams, these are things that are really important to consumers in their recipes that they want to bring to, ta bring to the table. Uh, they might want to bring it in a new fresh way, but they still see about a 400% increase. Um, and then you look at some things like green beans, right? And they have all these different ways in which they're cooking them. These are things that either you have a historical or traditional or 
uh, heritage connection to that you want to bring front and center to your family, uh, or it's specific to a new recipe you want to try. And so people need to, um, they need to have that on shelf, right? And so it's critically important during the holidays, you have the right items uh, on shelf and front and center, easily accessible to find for your shoppers because your shoppers are coming in and they're expecting to be able to purchase those items from you. And if you don't have them on shelf, you don't have them easily accessible, you don't have them conveniently uh, located and, and with the right price point, you're gonna lose that shopper year round. That's gonna haunt you year round, right? So they're gonna come to you during the holiday time frame to really create that connection with you but you're going to need to have the right items stocked up and front and center. Yeah, it boils down to, you know, something we've been talking a lot here at, at uh, Talking Logistics around customer experience, right? And then if you, uh, like you mentioned, you know, around this time, a lot of folks look back to their family recipes, right? Maybe it's grandma's yep. recipe for, you know, that cranberry sauce or, you know, that dish that requires those green beans or whatever the case might be. And um, like you said, they're not going to substitute that because that's exactly, you know, that ingredient is what the recipe calls for and they want right. that. You know, they want to recall their childhood when their grandma used to make that, you know, that dish. Uh, so making sure that that ingredient that, you know, whether it's the sweet potatoes or the yams or the green beans or so forth are, are uh, you know, in stock when, when they go to the store. Uh, so, so Mark, that brings me back to you. I mean, um, you know, when it comes to the retailers, I mean, a lot, a lot of these retailers either don't have a lot of space, you know, within their stores to carry a lot of the, a lot of inventory or they just don't want to carry a lot of inventory. They want to kind of get replenished in a more, Kind of frequent basis, make sure that the product is you know as fresh as possible and, and so forth. Um, you know, so but but how do you do that? You know, how, how do you make sure that that product is in stock and fresh? Um, you know, in light of those constraints, I mean, how, how do you achieve that balance in terms of you know not having enough space or not wanting to carry enough inventory, but making sure you know as Gina talked about that when you go to the store, you know that those ingredients are there. Yeah, here's uh, more more problems for the transportation providers, right? <laughs> uh, Peaches and cream here. So you're right, retailers, they may be crammed for space, um, unable to keep all needed inventory on hand, yet they still require the freshest product. Um, you know, this, this may cause a need for, those, for the more frequent deliveries, as you're mentioning, and for products to be held closer to where the stores and where the consumption is going to actually occur. Um, so this, this causes uh, problems with the on-time and full, um, or can cause problems with that. It's really important that you work with a service provider as you're mentioning, that provides uh, the suite of services that are really necessary to, to problem solve for, for this time period. And so a couple of those things that, that people should be on the lookout for, uh, services such as retail consolidation or different types of, of LTL programs. Obviously, the, the consolidation is a great, is a great service um, product because it consolidates multiple shipments into one truck. Uh, you get a, a better experience with on time and full you have uh, a more consistent experience with, with how you do the predictability of the on time, and, uh, and you actually act, reduce cost by having less trucks bumping the dock from the, from the retail community, so it conserves time for them as well. Uh, that doesn't always work, uh, and so having someone that also has the ability to provide straight LTL services uh, for those things that are unable to be consolidated is also a, a great thing and something that, that people should be looking for in a service provider to be able to get all of those uh, things handled at one space or, or with the less, lesser amount of, of opportunities as possible over the greatest geographic span. Yeah, no, those, those are great points. Actually, we did, we did an episode earlier this year with one of your colleagues there on retail consolidation programs, which I think was you know very, very informative. So uh, I'll direct our, our 
our viewers to you know check out that episode because we went into some detail there. But I think that was a very interesting uh, you know perspective there. Uh, so, so Gina, going back to the shopping experience, I mean, of course, there's a lot of different ways that you know consumers you know shop for food you know today, whether it's you know walking the aisles of, of the grocery store or shopping online and get it delivered to to their home or click and collect. I mean, what impact is this diversity in shopping and delivery, you know, having? A big impact. Um, you know, omni-channel is one of the biggest topics when it comes to convenience for shoppers, right? Convenience is a long, long trend, right? It, it kind of helped grow that concept of mass merchandisers so many decades ago. And now it's just taking a new form, right? Consumers still demand convenience. And that new form enabled by technology, and um, greater greater efficiencies in our supply chains really has enabled this omni-channel experience, right? Being able to shop seamlessly from multiple different channels. Um, and that's really having a, a significant impact on um, our supply chains. So when you think about online grocery shopping, mobile and digital, um, it's expected to triple in the next five years, which you know that should make up about 70% of grocery shopping being done online. That's significant, right? Um, and so not to mention the fact that 70, 72% of all food consumption is actually decided within one hour of eating. These are massive uh, evolvements to, to our industry, right? And, and provide a lot of complications and a lot of pressures on our supply chain um, to be more nimble, right? To be able to be more flexible. Um, these, you know, these two consumer trends are really going to enable, in my opinion, this macro growth of micro supply chains micro supply chains that um, can really support high speed inventory turns on demand, just in time, having the right items on shelf, really using more data and insights and analytics to help drive those decisions so that you have that right inventory on hand. Um, because consumers, we all are uh, accustomed to having everything on demand, right? Even my four-year-old. <laughs> he, he assumes that Amazon is just going to come to our house, like, you know, within two hours with his new, you know, pirate toy. Um, and, you know, those things are really, really important. So as we head into the holidays, uh, getting the right items out front, easy to find, making sure you have those items in stock um, so they don't go to another store, like we talked about before. Make sure that you have that overall shopping experience that's simple and convenient. Uh, through omni-channel shopping that can really just create that loyalty with your shopper so that you, you retain them um, all year long, but it also will help drive more consistency through the supply chain too. No, great, great, great points. I mean, I, I know that, um, you know, again, here in our own household, we, we do all of the above, <laughs> right? We, do, we shop online, we go to the, you know, the, the traditional way of go, walking the aisles of the grocery stores, we go to multiple grocery stores, um, and, and that just, you know, that diversity you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, Mark mentioned earlier, it just creates, you know, it just complicates the, the and creates additional challenges from a transportation, you know, and, and, and logistics stand, standpoint, because again, now you have to make sure that no matter what channel the shopper is, uh, you know, engaged in, uh, yeah. you're going to have that product available in stock, it's going to be fresh, and, and meet all of their, their expectations, regardless of, uh, you know, the way they're, uh, they're shopping. Uh, so, yep. so Mark, bringing it back to you, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of everything that we've, we've talked about, I mean, what is the role of, you know, you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, you know, in terms of people and technology. I mean, well, what's the role of people and technology in, in keeping food and, and beverage supply chains running smoothly, especially during the holidays? Yeah, thanks, Adrian. It's, I think as we've been talking about, there's all of these problems and you've got um, 
all this demand compressed into a shorter time period. Uh, then you throw in these potential weather impacts that we have around this time of the year as well. It, it does make things a little bit stressful. And, and working with a party that, that clearly, you know, everybody today is talking about visibility, right? It's, it's how do you see things? Uh, how, do you, how do you predict where things are going to be moving? How do I know that there's going to be a problem so I can not try and avert that and, and work around it so it doesn't exist? And so there's certainly uh, the, the capabilities of the, of the service providers out there uh, to provide that visibility on the technology so it's accessible when you need it is, is super important. Uh, and you hear a lot about that today in, in various communications from the companies out there. And, and without a doubt, um, you know, for us, selfishly with Robinson, we're really proud of the technology that we have and our capabilities in that space. Uh, many others are as well. Uh, but after that, I think it's really, and specifically when you start talking about temp control and, and food, um, having really qualified people that you can rely on are absolutely uh, essential to the success. I mean, you think about the speed of that PO that's making its way through the system and the fact that many of the products that Gina was referencing, they ship overnight. I mean, it's not like it's not like during regular business hours and, and so uh, problems occur and having really solid people that know what they're doing uh, to deal with the problems at the time that they occur is, is essential. Um, we had uh, the province to go through a certification process. Uh, we got a little over 8,000 people qualified in STF to deal with regulatory issues at the time that they're occurring. And those things are super uh, important. You know, those people need to act as an extension of the customer and really understand what's going on in order to aid the, the process and to push these products through with the urgency they need to the holiday. You know, you, uh, you, both things are, are critically important. I mean, there, like you said, there's a lot of focus today on, on uh, visibility and the technology and being able to do predictive ETAs and, and, and being able to be uh, proactive, um, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, resolving any issues before they, they, they occur. But I think, you know, the, the, the people side, I think, often gets overlooked, you know, the role and importance of people. I think that, you know, that's a critical piece of this whole puzzle. Um, so kind of having you know, a team of folks that understand the food supply chain, understand the, the, the safety components of it, and obviously the logistics aspects of it to be able to, again, navigate through all the, the, the different challenges that are, they exist every day in this industry, but certainly get heightened, you know, during the, uh, during the holiday season. Um, so, uh, you know, Gina, Mark, we're running short on time here, so I'm just going to go to my last question now. And Gina, I'll start with you, and then Mark, you can, you can add your, your perspective as well. So, I mean, as a way to wrap up, Gina, I mean, uh, you know, what questions should companies in the food and beverage industry ask themselves to assess, you know, whether their supply chain is ready for the holidays? You know, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think about the challenges of myself, even organizing the gifts for all of my family members and friends, right? <laughs> and the complexity that brings to me, let alone a supply chain for, for, a, for a customer, for a retailer or or anyone um, in the food and beverage industry through the supply chain. One of the things that I think is critically important though, uh, and I do see more and more customers moving towards, is having a really solid partnership and plan. So rather than um, you know, treating their suppliers or working with their partners um, in, a, in a kind of a transactional way, really thinking longer term with them and putting their plans in place so that they can make sure that they've got a, a backup plan that the both the supplier and the partner um, through the supply chain can help them 
through contingencies and you've got issues that come up, you understand what their end goals are and what's critically important. So I think having that longer term plan and really starting to partner further out um, so that you can you can create and execute to those plans is really, really important. Great, great point. Mark, any uh, you know, thoughts there in terms of uh, you know, questions or, or, or you know, what's going to separate the leaders from the laggers you know, moving forward in the industry? I think, I think Gina hit it on the head, Adrian. It's really picking a provider that has the suite of services that, that is capable of meeting multiple types of, of demands. Uh, and, then, and then really looking at the people side of it and how they're able to react and what their expertise is. Uh, but more importantly, and, and broadly importantly, is really the, the, the planning component. I can't stress that enough. In most of these conversations that we have, uh, the leaders and the laggards are going to be separated by those who deal with things in a proactive manner and, uh, and look to the future and really communicate with their service providers around what their needs are. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, I think, you know, whether it's in sports or in supply chain and everything in between, you know, the more you can plan and anticipate, you know, upfront and really, you know, uh, have a game plan in place, you know, the better able you are, you know, to succeed or address any challenges that come up versus, you know, being completely unprepared or, you know, uh, not having done any work, you know, upfront. So I think that, you know, certainly when it comes to this industry that's constantly changing from a uh, customer expectation side, technology side, regulation side, and obviously from a transportation standpoint, market dynamics and capacity and so forth, you know, keeping a pulse of what's happening and, and planning effectively moving forward is, is certainly critical for, for success here. Uh, well, uh, Gina, Mark, uh, you know, like I always say at the end of all, all our episodes, you know, we, we always just manage to scratch the surface on these topics, but both of you provided some some great insights and perspective on what's happening in the food and beverage industry, particularly during the holidays and, and what it takes to succeed. So thank you both for making the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Adrian. We appreciate it. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the CH Robinson website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Gina or Mark, you can post it there. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.